came here to defend my championship title. So I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to anybody. She's got a number one contender, David. The first person that can come out to this ring will get themselves a shot at my title. She's putting on an open so challenge. So you think you got the guts? You come get some. You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. And it is for the WWE Championship. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. And so it begins. Hello folks, this is Mr. Green and we are here for another review of WOW. But as the wrestling world turns, there's more stuff that has to be talked about. And it would be uh, foolish of me to not at least bring up one or two of these bits of the news that have been going on. Now, I won't go into, you know, as I'm recording this, the Elimination Chamber's already taken place. And, uh, you know, what's been happening in AEW, at least championship-wise, I won't talk about that. However, I don't know if you can talk about women's wrestling and not talk about the departure of, uh, well, it's going to sound weird at first, Cody Rhodes. Because where goes Cody, his wife Brandy follows. So, or at least walks with I don't want to make it sound like she just drags behind her or anything. Um, so, the, you know, the, the wrestling world has been a buzz. Cody Rhodes left, and that also meant that Brandy Rhodes is gone from AEW. And everybody has talked about where Cody may land. Brandy, not so much. She has uh, been an interesting case as it relates to her wrestling uh, not persona but how she's perceived in the wrestling world particularly when she got into AEW so anyway uh, before I get too deep into that you are listening to the rights and wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast with your host Mr. Green thank you for tuning in thank you for uh, downloading streaming going to YouTube wherever you whatever platform that you may be catching this Podbean Spotify so on and so forth uh truly appreciate the, the time that you have given me, whoever you are, however many you are. Thank you very much. If you have not done so, um, a follow, a subscribe, a like, a share goes a long way. When you're talking about uh, supporting someone's shows and uh, minds, is no exception to that. So if you feel free to do so, also you can go to our uh, store, Pick up some a shirt or two if you wanted to support that way as well. Anyhow, let's get back to what's going on with uh, Brent, or at least how I you know perceive it, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that got some opinions and all that good stuff like that. 
I put up a, a post in a wrestling forum not all that long ago, uh, essentially asking the question, what do you think that's going to happen with her now? Her being Brandy Rose, now that she's no longer in, in AEW, because it is it was well known that she had some, some pull in that company, which pretty much kept her in a position where she could nearly do what she wanted to do. I'm not going to say totally. I think that might be pushing it a bit much, but there was a, a sense of her, as far as the public was concerned, just kind of being all over the place. You know, one segment, you want to be cheered. The other ones, you don't care if you get booed or you're doing healer stuff. Uh, really not backing down from anybody or anything, male or otherwise, male or female or otherwise, I should say. You know, the whole thing with Dan Lambert. And then, you know, her wanting to get into it with Paige Van Zandt, who is a, you know, a legit MMA fighter. Which in, you know, if you were trying to make Paige look good, you would think that you would let her come out there and, and hurt some people or, or, you know, maul through some people. You, you could get some money out of her. She has a name. Uh, but nope, Brandy Rhodes would not back down from that at all so i'm not sure if that was necessarily the angle that they should have started well it's not going to go anywhere now because she's not there for the moment um what else did she do in there that was just kind of nonsensical the start of the nightmare collective which didn't go anywhere just kind of fizzled out and uh, the the tag team with her and the bunny, where she started off as a, a babyface that first round, and before the show, before the match was over, she was beginning to act like a heel, or at least they had a heel and perspective in the interview segment. I, I mean, I don't know what the hell she was she was doing in a lot of that stuff. So anyway, back to the question at hand, and it seemed like a lot of people, or, or at least those who took the time to answer that. Did not perceive her very well. <laughs> you know, get, they, they just did not. And uh, the exact question was, so without any executive pool or influence uh, on her on-screen persona and presentation, what's the likelihood that she wins a major championship, you know, or the major championship, excuse me, that she wanted or continues wrestling at all? Now, before I read any answers to that, post that I put up uh, <laughs> I'm seeing some of them now uh, my personal opinion is that she's probably not wanting to wrestle outside of a major promotion I cannot see this, this is me talking, this is my personal opinion I cannot see Brandy Rhodes wanting to go into say a WWE and not being a focal point. I don't think that she would ever get into that company and be a focal point right now. I mean, maybe she could get some attention. I mean, she's, she's we're not going to take away the, the positives that she does have. She's a very attractive young lady. She does have, and I know some people disagree. She does have athletic ability. And she could probably be a competent wrestler if she chose to follow that path diligently. That being, I know she had a brief stint on the independence. Uh, she did not do it long term because she 
I think in pretty much short order they went to Impact and then uh, I don't remember she followed him to New Japan I know she did some vignettes with him uh, but then she turned around and, and then there was an AEW so she, she never really had to do the independence the way that other girls have to do the independence so I don't know if she's got the the experience that the independence provides you how to read an audience for one thing some one of the major criticisms that some fans had is that she came off as tone deaf to the audience like I'm gonna be you know what you love whether you agree with me or not type thing or coming out to ringside in a mask and Cody Rose match and doing the unveil towards the camera like it was going to be a big deal and I don't I, to this day, I really don't understand why that happened. But anyway, stuff like that. It just seems like she did not have a good grasp. And in some cases, Cody, too. A good grasp on how the audience perceived them to be. And this is one of those examples of some people just do not need to be left to their own devices. Because you get things like that. You you know, you, when you don't have somebody that can govern you and say, hey, look, you need to stick a path you know pick your path and stick with it or you know do what i'm asking you to do or whatever the case may be you get things like that where you just kind of go and you're all over the place let me do a little bit of this let me do a little bit of that you know and, and it doesn't really amount to much of all the time that she's been there i don't know if she really amounted to all that much i mean if it, it, she did a bunch of things but no one thing for me really stands out other than just becoming the thing that most fans grew to resent. So anyway, I just want to, you know, go through a few of these, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, responses. Um, I can't pronounce Colin's last name, so I'm not going to do it. But his answer to whether she would get that championship or continues wrestling at all. His response was little to none. She can't cut a promo to save her life. Uh, Jake Garcia said she just sucks. Like, <laughs> like use what little notoriety you have and start a fitness clothing line or something. Now, I don't know if I would go quite that far, Jake, but <laughs> that, that's, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's other things she could do with herself besides, you know, the, the typical fitness line and stuff like that um uh let's see marcus jones what is what is he uh one oh no he's i that's i i'm sorry i mean they were legit in a thing with dan lambert and the mma chick and then nothing three years she was around and i get she had a baby and all that and we got one match from her and some i'm not gonna because I don't want to get YouTube to get on me. I'm just some crappy promos. I'll, I'll soften that up. So and her, some crappy promo, promos that were hella bad. Uh, not gonna read that one. That's that one's uh, a little tasteless. Uh, Rob Leary. I think at least for now she's done with wrestling. If she does anything, it will probably be similar to what Maurice is doing. But that will still depend on how Cody is pushed. And that I absolutely agree with. Um, we're not going to read all these because it's a pretty, you know, fair amount. Um, Ian Wohl, I think. 
I expect she would retire from the ring. I guess she wanted to get back in the ring to prove something to herself, but she was never all that good. And I I spoke with him a little bit after that, just asked him his opinion about some stuff. But anyway, I agree with him. She wasn't really all that good. You know, she wasn't terrible, but she just didn't do it enough to where she could really get better. She, you know, it's, some of those girls that's on the independents have to go through the through the paces. They have to go through that local independent. They got to go through the the high level independents that get a little attention, like your reality of wrestlers and stuff like that. They have to do the the uh, queens of combat. They have to do the shine and they have to do the shimmer. And then you know maybe. And go overseas and, and work with some of those other places, then go up to the next level and, and hit the NWA women's division and so on and so forth. And then, you know, after that, maybe you get some attention. Some of those, some of these ladies that's out on the independence have been doing this for like 10 years plus to get to where they are and get the, the skill set they had and be able to work the crowd and adjust and do the things that they need to do to be good in the ring. Brandy Rose does not have any of that. It's, it was a detriment to her. Everybody shouldn't just leapfrog ahead of, you know, doing the independence. I know, I realize that independence at this point, because it doesn't pay a lot, can be wearing on some people. But everybody shouldn't be leapfrogging that. I've talked about that with some of these wild, the wild girls. Everybody does not need to leapfrog the independence. The independence are there for a reason. And... Hopefully, when they get there, they can find some people that actually tell them what to do and how to do it and teach them good habits to start. But, again, I I mean, I just said it a second ago. When you're left to your own devices, sometimes you get things like that. Uh, You know what? I can't even pronounce this gentleman's name, so I'm not going to try that. Uh, But his answer was she should focus on doing Better on the backstage segments like before. Somebody else, Patrick Hurst, says she's terrible. Terrible on the mic and in the ring. And Raul Smith, I'd say somewhere between Eva Marie and Nia Jax outside WWE, and that's probably being nice. Now, that's a big ouch. Eva Marie is terrible. Now, I'm not going to say that she's that bad. E. Marie has little to no wrestling skills at all. Nia Jax is another one who got leapfrogged into a position where she had to be better than what she ever was and did not get the chance to grow into being a wrestler. Instead, she was thrown into a national platform and basically told to be good. The same thing that the WWE has been doing for the last 20, well, I mean, probably the last 30 years. We'll, we'll get them now because they have a certain look that we like and we'll train them later. How often have we seen that? But anyway, not getting into Nia Jackson, even Marie. We're talking about Brandy Rhodes. Brandy Rhodes, uh, I don't know if, if I perceive her as wanting to do anything else outside of that. You know, there's a lot of women that have gone into WWE over the years under those same circumstances where they look good, they are hired, they are paid to train, they don't train very long, they get pulled up to the main roster, and, you know, they're they used as eye candy, they have a couple of basic matches because, like, hey, we'll, you know, we'll get you now, we'll train you later. And then when that's over with, they just quit. They, they leave wrestling altogether because they don't want to do anything else because, 
I was wrestling on WWE on a global scale. Like, why do I want to go work at a high school somewhere? And that's understandable. But it's probably what she needs. And I know that there's an independent here in Atlanta that she and Cody are very um, attached to. First off, the nightmare factor's here, so it's not like she can't train. They pretty much own that thing. Secondly, um, and I, I guess it's a free plug for them, Southern Honor Wrestling is, I, I believe, that was the last place that Cody went as an independent before taking on a full-time role in AEW. In fact, he was responsible largely for them having, I guess, the largest independent sellout in this region when they pulled like a thousand people into the building, which for you know for independent wrestling promotion, a thousand people in the building is a big deal. Um, so it's it's not like there isn't an opportunity there for her. I can see if she were to go to, uh, I'll just again free, free plug for them. I can see if she were to go to Southern Honor and participate in some of their women's matches there. But what I can't see is her deciding to start and call her shot. Like, wherever she's going, whatever pull that she had, whatever pull that she's used to, I think that's got to go out the window. This is my pitch for her to do something and be and be good and get better. I think that there's an opportunity for her to get better. The question is, is that something that she wants? Because I get the impression very often that she would prefer to be an actress rather than a wrestler or a reality TV star or a star just of some sort. I don't know if wrestling is necessarily what she wanted to do with her life or or is wrestling a means to an end. I, we've had a lot of people over the years who have used wrestling simply as a means to an end and she may not be any different, quite honestly. Uh, we're not going to stick on on uh, Brandy Rose. I just, you know, you had to talk about that. That was that was big news. Uh, Quinn McKay. We're going to jump ahead and get out of that and, uh, and talk about another young lady. Quinn McKay, formerly of Ring of, Ring of Honor. Let me clear the marbles out of my mouth and speak clear. Ring of Honors, Quinn McKay, who is the uh, young lady with the glasses and the bow tie and backstage, is, has moved on. She's another one who has taken another job. Of course, we know Ring of Honor went into a hiatus at the end of last year. And they, they being Ring of Honor, pretty much said, hey, if you want to leave, because we're, we're rebooting everything, and if you want to go, you can go. This is now your time to go explore other options. Well, we've seen a couple of people take that up. Um, probably most notably Jay Lethal. When he went to AEW, I don't know if he's done much. He showed up on TV, but that, you know, but that's about it. But that's aside the point. We're talking about Quinn McKay, or at least the former Quinn McKay. Now she is Kelly Kincaid, and she is the new host of a NXT show called Level Up. Apparently, this will be replacing 205 Live, and uh, she will be doing commentary, I believe. So she, it's not like she didn't have 
experience. She had the opportunity to do that a couple of times in Ring of Honor. And and last we saw, she was competing in the tournament as a wrestler. But I guess, again, she has to hang up the wrestling boots all over again. Uh, Quinn McKay is done. Kelly Kincaid is is, uh, alive and active, and she is going to be utilized for her presence on TV and, and her verbal ability, not her physical ability. So uh, congratulations to um, Kelly Kincaid, I guess. Uh, we'll, I'll look forward to seeing I doubt that I'll be watching that show. Uh, by the way, Level Up is going to be a show that is exclusive uh, to Peacock. Like I said, it is reported that it's replacing 205 Live, which is probably a good thing because I don't even think that they have a cruiserweight division anymore. There's really no point in having 205 Live. Uh, so that show is done. Double Up is now. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It, it it very much has the same feel as NXT 2.0 with all the colors and and blotches of paint that they have in the in the uh, the logo and everything. So whether it's good or not, I guess that's up to you. I doubt that I will watch it regularly, but I will tune in to catch it to see how it is. But but. All things considered, congratulations to her. Uh, I'm sure this is a lifelong dream come true for her to be part of the WWE. And more importantly, part of the WWE in a position where it's a little less likely that she'll get hit with the wave of cuts. Like uh, several wrestlers probably are due to have following WrestleMania. So, let's get to the review of WOW. WOW, episode 24. Uh, we are trucking along still with these uh, episodes, one after the other. And this one is going to be, uh, well, I, I, I'm hesitant to use the term blow off, but it is a, a build towards one of their big confrontations, the Psycho Sisters and Holiday Ed Siren and Princess Ozzy. In fact, the show begins that way. It starts off with a video set up for the, the teams that I just mentioned. Uh, essentially placing that as the main event of the program. Segment two, the Beast. The wild champion enters the ring and cuts a promo for an open challenge. And who should come out to accept that challenge but the disciplinarian with Samantha Smart. Now, the first thing I noticed when I saw the disciplinarian come out there is that, you know, she really isn't that much smaller than the Beast. I mean, the Beast has a a stronger-looking physique in terms of definition and muscle but in terms of size like the disciplinary is about the, the same size as her you know more or less I don't know if that's the person that I would have wanted to put into the ring with her just because of that up until this point I think everybody had been relatively smaller than uh, the beast and also for this reason too before I even go into anything else. Now, I'm sure anybody that's watched that show up until this point knows who's going to win that from, you know, from the moment that the disciplinarian came out there. And not just because it's the beast and she's the champion. It's because the disciplinarian has lost repeatedly for weeks, leaning into the last seasons 
Like there's absolutely no reason on earth that seeing her walk out to ringside to challenge for the women's championship or the wild championship that you should ever believe that she had a chance or a hope to pull it off. The disciplinarian, with the exception of maybe one or two wins over the course of, I guess you would say, three seasons now, her win-loss record is atrocious. She just lost, what, uh, a week ago, I mean, or we'll say an episode ago, since we can't really put this in weeks, she just lost like a, a, a episode passed to one half of a tag team. She was tricked and beaten by one of the Dixie Daughters. Now, which one I can't remember. I don't, I don't have my notes in front of me. But she lost. That's the point. That, that, that's the major point here. She did not win the match. If she couldn't win that match, and that was the last thing that I saw her do, I have no expectations of her winning against the Beast, their champion. They should have just got some, you know, somebody else or got a, a, a local guy. You know, I keep endorsing the local girl. Get somebody out there that she could just squash and go on the bottom way. I'm not even sure if I would have made it an open challenge. Just, you know, let's give, give me an opponent out here. You know, I'm ready. This is what I'm booked for. Let's do it. So, anyway, um, as you would imagine, the Beast mostly no-sells any of this. Uh, there, there are a few points where the disciplinarian gets some sort of advantage slash offense, but, again, the Beast mostly no-sells. She wins with a spear, and then, boom, one, two, three is over. There we go. That's it. Without going into, you know, a blow-for-blow blow commentary, that was pretty much the match. Uh, again, I, I didn't walk into this thinking the disciplinary had a chance. It didn't feel like it, and I certainly didn't think that it was going to be anything beyond what I got. The plus that you have here is that Samantha Smart, I had been critical of her when she first was introduced into the wow verse some years ago because she almost did nothing as a manager she didn't she didn't cheat all that much didn't didn't run her mouth didn't take any bumps and stuff like that but uh this was different she was a integral part she played the part of the manager and, and i did like that she she took the big bump she took a choke slam after uh, attempting to, I guess, get even, you know, the, with the bees because the bees won, and she tripped her up too. You know, she did that, and she she did little things, you know, ran her mouth, did the, did the old manager trip during the match, didn't help, and then afterwards, after after the beast wins and the beast gets out, she she pops with the the, uh, the yardstick across her back. Beast no sells it, turns around and gives her the choke slam. Uh, it makes the beast look good. And that's the point. And that's the only other perk that I can get out of this is that I know the disciplinarian is a well-trained wrestler. We know her as Robin Reed. Or she used to be Ivory Robin. She's a former reality of wrestling women's champion. She has been around the uh, independent circuit for some time now. So if there's anybody that can get in there, and this is what the Beast needs right now. She needs to be in there with people that are better than her to help her look good, to help her shine. And that might have been part of the the objective of sticking her in there with the disciplinarian, but 
I really would have preferred that they grab somebody else to do this. Just because of the disciplinarians win-loss record alone, I wish they'd have gotten somebody else. Whether that had been Abilene, Maverick, or Chloe Hertz, or whoever else, they should have got somebody else that who could afford to take that loss. The disciplinarian, she, she just keeps losing. And it's, it's, it's tiresome that she loses as much as she does. <sighs> segment three, they have another video setting up the main event. It's not really much to talk about there. Segment four, there's a recap of Tessa Blanchard versus Jungle Girl. If you watched that one, it was a pretty good match. I would say go back and check it out. And it essentially just showing how Jungle Girl advanced over Tessa Blanchard. Segment five, we have a Bully Buster vignette. And it shows the Busters beating, oh, excuse me, it shows the Busters getting a beating from Exile. And this is setting up Steffi Slays vowing to get revenge on Malaya Hosaka. And this makes sense. It makes total sense. Her partner was beaten up, put in a figure four leg lock by Malaya Hosaka, you know, allegedly getting close to breaking her leg. Refusing to let go of the hole. So it makes sense that Steffi Slays will want to come out here and get the match against the person that perpetrated this. Now, what didn't make sense to me is that she walked out there against like all three of them. And <laughs> nobody, I mean, I would think that the, having the match is one thing. Walking out there with Malay Hosaka and both members of, well, I guess they're all exiles. So let me rephrase that. Exodus and Genesis along with Malay Hosaka. That seems to be, you know, kind of ridiculous. But, no, I guess we'll go with it. Uh, Slayer started out strong in this until Hosaka was able to rake the eyes, you know, doing the heel thing. Very, you know, this is very much the veteran thing that Malay Hosaka would do. She, much like I said with the Beast, uh, she's in there to help her look good. And she did. And I have to say, Steffi Slayer looks a lot better. She, she's, at least in this match, she was coming along, uh, looks very, you know, uh, capable in there. And I'm sure that her being in there with Malaya Hosaka had a lot to do with that to some degree. Uh, Exile beats up on Steffi every chance they get, which is what they should do and what you expected to do when you saw her out there. So Malaya Hosaka distracts her free, Exile yanks her out, puts a beating on her, put it back in the ring. She gets a little bit of advantage. Hosaka puts it back out, distracts the referee. They start beating up on the game. You get the picture. My first thought when I saw that is that where is Steffi Slays' help? You would think at this point, Exile has worked up some enemies. I mean, they beat up the tag team champions twice. They beat them up when they won the belt. They beat them up right before, like, their first title defense. They they tried to attack the uh, Grits and Glam team. Uh, you know, they beat up the, the Bully Busters, or at least one half of. I, they clearly cannot be considered a reasonable team for the locker room. So, you know, where's her help? That was my first thing. That was in my notes. Um. Exile jumps slaves when she applies the figure four leg lock to Osaka. She's about to, you know, get her to tap out. They just come in and beat her up. Uh, and they all beat up slaves until who comes out but fire. She comes out with a steel chair for the save. 
the commentators mentioned that Exile put adrenaline out. I don't know when that happened. Like I, I've seen them beating up on both of them, like, but when did they specifically beat up Adrenaline to put her out? So I, I'm not sure where they were going with that. Uh, match ends in the DQ. Not really a fan of the, the DQs, but you know that's that's where we are, or the amount of DQs that we have, I should say. When you go over the, the seasons, it just feels like they have way more of them than they need, especially when it comes to exile. I'm not sure if they've had a match where they just won. Like they, They've been there, let's see, they beat up the champions when they arrived. They fought the Bully Busters. So for two weeks they've been in, in a position where they have lost, but they lost through disqualification. I'm not sure where they're going with that. Quite honestly, like, why would they even get close to a tag team championship match? They can't win. Not only can they not win, they don't. You know, they just they they just become a danger. They just go in there and and beat them up rather than lose. So why would we reward this behavior by giving them a championship match? But I'm sure that's what's going to happen. So anyway, uh, well, time will tell. I'm going through this one by one. I'm not going to spoil it for myself. So, um. Hogan, or excuse me, Fire runs them off, and then we cut to segment seven, Serpentine versus Reyna Reyes, or at least a vignette of it, which sets up the next match. Seeing who was involved in the match gave me the opposite feeling about what I had with the Beast versus the Disciplinarian. Whereas when the disciplinarian walked out, I was like, there's no way that she's going to win this. I, I looked at this match and I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I have no doubt who's going who's gonna to win this thing. I think, you know, I was feeling Raina Reyes. And uh, the second half of that, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a pretty good match. I mean, we got Giselle Shaw and Thunder Rosa, who both of these ladies are fantastic in the ring. Both are well-trained. Thunder Rosa is like at the top of her game right now, former NWA Women's World Champion. Giselle Shaw just signed up with uh, Impact Wrestling. And I think that is a a, a great signing. I, I feel like it's probably only going to be a matter of time before she gets the uh, Knockouts Championship. Um, <clears throat> it was, in my notes at least, I put it should be a good match. And it was. Sofia Lopez comes out with Serpentine. Uh, Lopez chokes Reyes when she gets the opportunity. And, and again, much like I said with uh, Samantha Smart, this is good manager shtick. And, uh, you know, that was one of my major concerns or major critiques of the managers seasons ago. A lot of times, whether they showed it on camera or not is a different issue, but a lot of times they would just be there. They would be out at ringside, and they wouldn't really do all that much. They would just kind of stand there. It's like, you know, you're the heel manager. You got to do something. Triple A, distract the referee, pass the knuckles, or, or whatever weapon of choice you got. You know, take the bump. You got you got to do something. And uh, she did. So I was, I was very pleased with this. It was, again, it was another pleasing moment that it seems like some of them are growing into the positions that they're in. Uh, Lopez distracts the referee after Reyes hits the Scott Twister press off the top rope. She, you know, she hits Serpentine. 
seemingly had the match won, and there she is doing the manager thing. Again, awesome stuff. Good for Lopez. Um, Serpentine tries to hit Reyes with a briefcase because when she does, when Lopez does the distraction, she leaves the briefcase to one side, goes around to the other side, starts talking to the referee like, you know, the managers do, which gets uh, Reyes off of Serpentine to go confront Lopez. Serpentine grabs the briefcase. She tries to hit Reyes with the briefcase. Reyes ducks and gives a super kick to, you know, the case into Serpentine's face. Then she slaps Lopez. Lopez takes the, <laughs> takes the bump. And then uh, Reyes gets the pin. It was a good match. Everything was firing all cylinders, manager included. And I don't know if I get a chance to say or speak highly or with high praise of wild like that under normal circumstances, but here I speak of it in high praise. Everybody was doing, you know, what they needed to do. And yes, Wow is a highly edited show. We know that Wow is an edited show. But, you know, there have been cases in the past where the matches, I don't want to say so bad, that they are unable to edit the mistakes out. So if the, so I'll just say this. If there were mistakes in the match, there's no way that I can see it. But I, I really doubt that because I think both of these ladies are so smooth in the ring. Now, this is a nitpick for me. I know that they like to edit the show to where it's just more like TV. So we'll take the we'll take this angle and we'll take that angle and we'll do this and we'll do that. And you know, oftentimes they, they cut on the hit. You know, somebody takes a punch, they cut to the next camera. Somebody takes a kick, they cut to the next camera. Uh they don't show the match in a sports presentation where you have the one camera out in the stands, the hard cam. And that covers the majority of the of the match, uh, rather than the way that they're doing it. It looks like with them they record everything, and then we let's get as good angles as we can. They almost shoot it like I said, you know, TV esque. But I would prefer they did it the other way, especially in cases like that when the match probably needs little to no edit. I mean, yeah, you want to cut to another camera here and there. Yeah, you want the close-ups and all that good stuff. But they probably did not need the edit that they gave it. I think these two are strong enough to where they could have kept the the viewing audience in, in television land entertained without a abundance of cuts. Uh, segment nine, and we are moving towards the main event. We are still coming down. It is a full recap of the Psycho Sisters, Siren, Holiday, and Aussie feud. And it is never explained why Princess Aussie joined this group. We know that she did. And we know that she's been lured in for some reason. But it's never really explained why she gave in to it or, you know, she's, you know, I don't know. Why this brainwashing was successful? Why nobody came to save her? And, you know, and I mean, they're just little elements of that that didn't seem to go anywhere. Why is she dealing with this? What is it that they have over her that she has now thrown herself into this group full and wholeheartedly? Not explained. And I don't expect it to be explained. 
she seemingly only had one friend, Princess Ozzy, and that got cut off the last episode when she lost to uh, uh, Raina Reyes. Uh, segment 10, backstage, we got Lopez and Serpentine. They enter into Tessa Blanchard's dressing room. And, you know, pretty much that we need to talk segment. Blanchard then covers and puts the cameraman out. So there's a story that's going on there. 11 is just an ad for Wiles' website. So, you know, if you're feeling like you need to go check them out, go to WWE. Uh, .com and enjoy some good old wow whatever the heck they got on there. I don't know. Segment 12. The main event. is this, that I don't know why they called it this because it didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. But a couple of times it was called a six-way tag team match. I was like, I don't know what the hell a six-way is. I know a six-person match but I don't know what a six way tag team match and it and it seems like some of the commentators caught that a little later on because I think Stephen Dickey began to refer to it as a six woman match after a while rather than a six way so we got Siren the Voodoo Doll Holiday and Princess Ozzy versus the Psycho Sisters Razor Fury and Mesmera um, I may have to go back and watch this again because I am positive, I could have swore I heard them say that there was no rules in this match. And then they started off right into having rules. So I have to look at this again. You know, I'm sorry that I didn't do it before this, but I, I just could have swore this like this is a this is gonna be some sort of brawl or some effect. And it did get to that point, but I'll get there. So anyway, we got Ozzy and Spike, they start out. And uh, for all intents and purposes, Ozzy is the one that is the bullseye drawn on for a little while until she's able to break free. One thing that I was surprised about here, and because if you listen to any of these podcasts before now, you know that Mesmera was the bane of the Psycho Sisters to me. I didn't understand why she was there. I didn't get her purpose. I thought they should have just been done with her. But, you know, and again, you know, that's not a knock on whoever's playing Mesmera. She just didn't seem to do all that much. She was there and she smiled and she, you know, uh, had, a, I guess, a presence. But other than that, I mean, she, her, her interactions were very, very, very limited. But here she got into the ring, and this might be the first time that she was in the ring for any great length of time. So I was completely surprised that that happened. Uh, Somewhere during the course of this match, the old predictable jump off the top rope spot happened. And this is probably about as bad as it comes. Everybody gets hit one by one. We roll out. We gather on the outside of the ring. Now, the second I saw this happening, here again, you got that that spot that you know you can pretty much call it in your head. I said the smallest person that is in this match is going to be one that, that takes off. So that only leaves Spike and that leaves Ozzy. Spike had already been put out, so I was like, all right, it's going to be Princess Ozzy because Fury and Mesmer are not coming off that top rope. Neither is Holiday you know, uh, and I doubt that Siren's going to do it either. 
But here is where it made it look so bad. So they all gathered on the outside of the ring. Doing what you've seen a thousand times over a number of who knows how many wrestling promotions. I am not going to center or single while out. They are not the only ones that's guilty of this. Every wrestling company is guilty of this. All of them. Impact Wrestling did it not all that long ago with uh, their... Uh, uh, what's that match that they do? Oh, I can't even think of it. When they got the X that's suspended and they just had to win, I was going to say Destination X, but that's that's not the name of Ultimate X. When they had the Ultimate X match, they're guilty of it. AEW is, is largely guilty of it. A lot of people criticize them for that. When they, everybody gathers down and they, somebody got to jump off of something high or to everybody. So I am not going to single wow out to this. But here, they added the extra step of Princess Ozzy. As all of these people are sitting down there on the floor, standing on the floor, pretending to brawl with each other, taking the shots, now we all got to stand and look up and wait for this woman to jump off of the top rope onto the floor. She gets up to the top and she does her position head shake i guess you want to call it that to show that she's crazy or that she's lost her mind or that she's under somebody's control i don't know she does that and we all gotta you know and they gotta stand there and watch this they have to stand and you know this is taking about a good 10 seconds it feels like they have got to watch her do this and then jump Nobody ever, you know, nobody decides to move out of the way. I mean, this I can understand why some of those wrestling veterans look at this and be like, why are they doing this? There's been plenty of times that I have excused it, but it's kind of, it's, it's getting old hat now. You know, the dives off the top rope to the waiting group of people who none of which decide to even move or bother to move or act like there's something that's holding us in place. <laughs> you know, it, it just... The, the original concept used to be that it was a brawl happening on the outside. Somebody gets to the top rope, but he does it so fast that we, we're we in shock and we can't move. At least, you know, at least that's how it was explained. Now, it's just, we just got to stand here and wait. We got to wait for you to do whatever it is that you're doing so that we can catch you. This was ridiculous. And what was a reasonable match turned into something that looked absurd in this one spot. The worst thing here is that for the second match of the night, we got another disqualification. It's a double DQ as they go running off into the street and they were running off into the crowd and into the, the concession stands and off into the street, beating each other up. So there's no winner here. It's just just a fight and a brawl for a brawl's sake without any sort of definitive winner. I started off lacking in the match, and then it devolved into that. That shouldn't have been the main event, at least not for me. I was like, this needs a blow off. Just be done with it. I'm not sure if this is a, a, reason, a big enough feud to where we got to drag this out. And 
I question whether Wild drag it out at all, quite honestly. Sometimes they'll do things like that. They'll just have to imagine, be like, oh, yeah, we did it, so let's move on. Because I thought the storyline with Holiday and, and Siren and Ozzy was their control over Princess Ozzy. I thought, that it, I thought that was the story. But it seems like, they, like I said, Ozzy's just kind of given in and gone wholehearted into it. I mean, maybe she might turn later on down the line or I don't know. Somebody might save her. Who knows? And in, and the Psycho Sisters really have nothing much to do other than this feud, which didn't seem like it went anywhere. It's just a feud that just went out into the street. So what are they going to do? What's the blow off here? We're going to come back for a street fight. We're going to come back for a steel cage. We're going to come back for some other stipulation match that will end this for once and for all because I want it to end. And it's not like I'm a you know a bunch of episodes into the show, but I just I just want this to end. I I, I fit just this this show alone with the amount of vignettes that they dedicated to it because they did like three of them. They started at the beginning, did one in the middle, and one right before the match, and then you had the match. It just felt like they gave so much to this match that it should have gone somewhere. Like why is this not over with? So. I, Maybe it's me, and I and I re- this is I really want to hear somebody's opinion. Like, okay, did did this seem like it was too much? Like it was overkill? Like they just should be done with it? I absolutely feel like one team or another should have won. If it were me, I would just have the Psycho Sisters go over and have uh, Ozzy take the loss so that she can get some sort of punishment off of. Siren and Holiday, so we can see that continue on and just be done. And then the Psycho Sisters can focus their attention towards we're going back out of the tag team titles. Anyhow, that was the entire show. Now, one thing I can say about WoW is that it's an easy watch. It's only an hour. And despite the fact that I don't agree with everything that they do, it's not a terrible show. It's not bad. It just sometimes... Every once in a while, here and there, they do some things in there that make me feel like, what the hell was that for? It just just did not seem like it made a lot of sense. <sighs> but, you know, it is what it is. It does happen. And I wanted to get through that just so I could uh, kind of talk about one other thing here. I've read some comments earlier, but I didn't read one that was directed at me personally. And I mentioned this one because this particular comment was uh, asking about WoW. And I know that uh, this person knows that I do these reviews. And and I've had a bunch of uh, WoW reviews preceding this. And information and interviews about a a lot of WoW participants. In fact, I have gone on record to say that I believe that the Women's Pro Wrestling Network channel has probably more interviews with WoW stars than WoW does. Go figure. Uh, But, you know, and even if they do start, they're never going to have the interviews that I have with them because they're not going to ask all those questions. (laughs) There are certain things that WoW is never going to address or acknowledge uh, the way that uh, I can because I have no affiliation with the, the promotion. But one of the fans of WoW simply asked, do I think WoW's championships are the top women's championships in wrestling? 
And the short answer to that was and is no. I do not. But there's a caveat to that, and I want to explain it. Uh, so it can be kind of a yes or no answer. If you're watching WoW, WoW caters to the WoW audience. So when the WoW audience, by and large, has always been the casual wrestling fan. It's not like they, they have catered a lot to the hardcores. It's kind of drifted that way because of who they acquire. And, uh, you know, the people that they signed who had had some experience and exposure on the independent scene, in some cases, in larger wrestling promotions. Um, not talking about the ones that they've just hired, but your Kira Hogan's, your Diamantes, your uh, Jessica Havocs and Nevaehs, uh, your Tessa Blanchard's, your Jesse Smothers, um, Amber O'Neill's, uh, the recently Chrissy Vane, and so on and so forth, Barbie Hayden, et cetera, et cetera, Santana Garrett. When you hire those ladies, you are going to drag in a certain segment of wrestling fan who probably would not have watched WoW otherwise. Because WoW, before they started hiring, it was very much like WWE. They would just hire, we'll hire you now and we'll train you later. They weren't hiring wrestlers. They were just hiring athletic women who took the, took the job. And they would learn how to do it. Not necessarily great, but they would learn. The point being is that when they catered to that audience, they established their own universe and their own rules. And they would tell the people what they wanted them to know and, and tell them what they wanted them to believe. Hey, folks, the Wild Championship is the greatest women's championship in wrestling. It's the most prestigious title in all of women's sports. They could say that because most of those people watching the show weren't going to drift off and start looking at other things. Most of them. I'm not saying all, but most of them. So you had people who would look at it just because they were, hey, there's good-looking women wrestling around on TV. Let me watch. And they're not checking into other promotions like Shimmer or Shine. W, well, I keep saying WSU because it used to be, but um, I don't think a lot of ladies believe in that place anymore, so we'll skip it. Uh, Queens of Combat, you know, and, and – uh, divisions that exist like in NWA and divisions that exist like in reality of wrestling, the re divisions that got recently reestablished, even though it's on hiatus now, um, uh, in Ring of Honor. They aren't checking into those places. So for David McClain to say, hey, these people, you know, our championship is the single biggest championship in women's sports, well, there's no reason for them not to believe it. So for that audience, then the answer is yes. And I don't know if the young man that sent me that, that uh, question is just what he seemed like he is. Because <laughs> I've seen some, somewhere earlier where he said some comment like, oh, it'd be a great match to see Frost versus, you know, I, I, I forget who he put. Uh, like Awesome Kong, <laughs> I think it was. Which I said, you know, in my mind, I didn't answer that. But in my mind, I was like, that would be a terrible match. Because Frost, as athletic as she is, and, and for those who don't know, you have to go back like three or four seasons, I think, in a while. Uh, but I was like, that would be a terrible match because she's only had like three matches 
in her life. You know, forget practice. She's had like three matches, period. Yeah, awesome car could carry it, but yeah, that would be ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, for those for fans like that, yes, that would be the biggest women's championship that you would ever see because that's all they know. In the grand scheme of things, now when we go beyond that, when we open the doors of WOW and we're looking at that amongst all the other talent and all the other wrestling promotions and all the other women's divisions and things like that, no. And it becomes a hard no. Not nothing against WOW, but it's a, it's a hard no. There's no way possible that if we're looking at this in a kayfabe universe, that that championship be considered the top of the line. They have done great strides to make it better and make it more palatable, but they still got a ways to go. I mean, just think about this. The Wild Women's Championship was established in 2001. It is 2022, and they've had five champions. I think it was five. Let's see. Terry Gold, Danger, Lana Starr, uh, Jungle Girl, Santana Garrett, Tessa Okay, seven. I'm off by two. But in 20 years, they've had seven champions, some of which who are listed as holding the title for like a 1,000 days and have had barely any championship defense whatsoever. It's hard to make a claim on being the most sought-after and prestigious title when they almost never even defend the belt, much less have a, a string of, of challengers who even wanted it. Tessa Blanchard, I mean, as much as she has issues and heat and a bad reputation amongst some wrestling fans, you know, if we put that to the side and we just talk about what she did in the ring, she's probably the most accomplished women's champion that they've had because that season she defended it more than anybody else. But to put it in perspective of championships and the length of time and the matches and stuff like that, you don't even have, you don't have to reach very far. I mean, to, to compare them to, say, like Shimmer, because that would be the most comparative thing. Because uh, I think Shimmer, what did they do? If, I forget how... Uh, Somebody described it to me to tell me the schedule that they ran. I think they, they shot for their DVDs like twice in a year or, you know, two to three times in a year. But they would do multiple, you know, matches, of course. And so that's how you got some people, you know, they, they would easily be able to list the amount of championship matches that they had. And, you know, some would have, you know, up to one or two, five, six, up to like 10 to 15 and it would be very easy to try to compare them to that because that would be perceived as the closest. And by far and away, Shimmer is going to, you know, it's going to leave wild in the dust as far as championship caliber is concerned. So let's take that off the table and talk about uh, independent that most people in the world don't even know about. Pete State Wrestling. Peach State Wrestling Alliance, which is a, a promotion that I shot matches for with the women uh, some years ago. That was another one of my places that I had a partnership. 
So I bring that up because I'm fairly aware of what their championship uh, history is. They established a championship. I can't remember the the actual year because I don't have it in front of me. But they established a championship. They had a battle royal to crown their first champion, and that person was Crystal Rose. Crystal Rose then uh, lost that championship in a four-way after several defenses to Brooklyn Creed. Brooklyn Creed lost her championship to Pandora. But Pandora retired. The championship went into hiatus before they reestablished it like two months later. And they had another uh, tournament. Uh, short-term, two sets of triple threats. The winners of both of those triple threats converged, which happened to be both ladies who have been the champion already, Crystal Rose and Brooklyn Creed. They wrestle off. Crystal Rose becomes two-time P-State champion. And I think then that led into the beginning of 2020, promotional and on hiatus. I'm not sure they've come back from that. Now, that was leading right into 2020, and in that, we've had, what, three, did I say, the Crystal Rose, Brooklyn Creed, Pandora. Yeah, they've had three champions, one of which who held it twice. They, inside of a year and a half to two years, are almost half of the championships that WoW has had in 20. That's that's what I mean. And even then, in that short reign, they had a couple of people walk in and out of there challenging for the championship over and over and over again from the moment that the title was created right up until the end. It wasn't even it was never a case of we don't have anybody to challenge for this. Or let's just sit it off to the side. Or, you know, we have a phantom championship turnover with like Lana Star that the title match that never took place. There's no case of that. And you don't get a lot of that with a lot of these people on the independence. Yeah, they don't have the budget that WoW does, clearly. But they they do present. I mean, and we're talking about Peach State. That means that that championship doesn't leave the state of Georgia. It's not even considered a world's title. And they don't even try to consider the world's title. They don't, they don't pretend that any belt that they have in there is supposed to be some sort of world championship. It's a championship, you know, it's a championship of this area, where it's supposed to be. It's the regional title. And yet and still, I would rank that Peach State Women's Championship over the Wild Championship just on the basis of uh, the competition that came down for it. And again, the, the only person that in the, in the Wild universe that I would say that could give that some sort of challenge would be Tessa Blanchard because in the season that she was the champion, she had more contenders. She had more people fighting for the championship. And that's probably largely because Tessa either asked for it or whoever else got in there said, we need to defend this belt. But getting back to the answer, no, no. I, I, within the Wild Universe, yes, it's to be top title because it has to be, and that's what it should be. David McLean should promote his championship as the top championship of the world. He absolutely should. I'm not saying that they did anything wrong. I'm not saying that they lied or anything like that. This is what they're supposed to do. Every promotion should do that. They shouldn't take a backseat to anybody unless they've made some sort of arrangement to uh, 
say like the NWA. You know, we're going to have a regional title, but we're going to recognize the NWA's world championship as the world championship. Now, if that's the case, then that's different. But why doesn't recognize any of that? Why doesn't work with the NWA or Impact's knockout world championship or AEW's women world championship? They don't work with any of those people. They, they in large part, those titles don't exist. So, as far as their world is concerned, it is the biggest, most prestigious championship in all of women's sports. In the real world, not so much. It is, is uh, at best, comparable to some of the independent promotions that I've seen around you know, me and other places. That's what I think they are. But I will give them this much credit to say that I think that they can get there uh, particularly if they are able to keep the show alive and stop taking these lengthy hiatuses. It does not help when you have a champion who, like I said, is listed at a thousand plus days and never had a single title defense. Well, anyway, that's that's a whole different thing. You know, earlier in, in my that little rant right there or me answering the, the uh, question, I brought up Ring of Honor. I forgot one other thing to mention with Ring of Honor. Uh, the former Ring of Honor women's champion, Roxy, who did lose the championship to Deanna Perrazzo in Impact Wrestling. So we have an Impact Wrestling star right now who's a double champion. Both belts of which are not active to Impact or not affiliated with Impact, neither championship. She's Reina Dorea's champion, I think, in AAA. And she's now the Ring of Honor women's champion, of course, for Ring of Honor. Or I should say the ROH champion for Ring of Honor. But uh, Roxy, and this might explain why she is, because Roxy has now moved on and she is signed to the WWE. She's the next one that is going in and uh, being part of the some people refer to it as the evil empire <laughs> of the WWE. Uh, but no, Roxy has has moved on and she has, has joined the uh, WWE. Uh, what, what can I say? Congratulations to her. I think I forget how old is what she like 20 right now. She, she is like super young. Um, she has been doing this for a while, and I, I, I'll finish off with her because I think that she's a really good example of everything that I have been talking about, not just on this show, but for years. The amount of matches that that young lady has taken on. I mean, she, she got to reality wrestling, and once she was in that company, she just kept going. She did whatever she could to uh, continue to get better and train and become good in the ring. She went from uh, Booker T's Reality of Wrestling to uh, Ring of Honor to their women's division to where she wound up right now. She just you know signed with uh, WWE. And... Uh, <laughs> 
I think she's won the championship in almost every major promotion she's been in. I know she was the uh, reality wrestling women's champion. Then she got the, she was the first ROH women's champion. So yeah, I mean, how can you fault that? And she traveled around the independence, doing what she had to do to get better, to become good at at her job, and her accomplish her dream. It's another case of somebody that she didn't get into it so she could try to go off and do something else. Now, that may happen, but clearly her goal in life was much like what I saw with Kira Hogan. She wanted to be a wrestler, and she didn't think about doing anything else other than being a wrestler. And she's there now. I don't know how long she's going to last. I hope that she is able to do it and able to, to stick with it and be there for as long as she chooses to be. I don't know what they've turned her name into because you got to know that they're going to change her name to something. I, I would be really surprised if uh, she she uh, if she was dropped. Or I should say she was offered a, a contract from what I understand. And I saw some, some spots saying that she was signed. So you know, I, I think we need to go and uh, verify that. But anyhow, in, in any case, the, the whole point here being is that she's a prime example of what a well-trained, well-traveled wrestler can be and what she can do. And the fact that, she, what is she, I, I'm still trying to find find her age. Because I know they said that she was like reality wrestling women's champion at 16 it's crazy. So I think that she went up to uh, the Ring of Honor at 19. So she might be 20. She might just be 20 right now. She's so she's a baby, so young. So, in any case, we, we, we'll uh, we'll we'll end it right there. And if and she is indeed signed, you know what? Let, let's let's try to verify some of this right now. Let me go to her Instagram because if anybody's going to show it, it'll probably be that. Let's 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 scroll through. She got a lot of Ring of Honor stuff that's still up here, but I don't see anything that says says that she signed to WWE. Because what happened is the the report said that Booker T misspoke. He said that he he said that she got signed, but he misspoke. He said they should sign her so we don't know if uh she's actually in there yet in fact i'm just gonna go and say that she she has not signed unless she was she had tried out or you know whatever the case would be but she she is not signed to wwe as i am speaking right now there's nothing that really says that so i'm not going to try to go endorsing any rumors any further than what i did you know i apologize for that so but uh yeah, all the reports that I'm seeing says uh, Booker T said that she confirmed that she signed with that, and then like 24 hours ago, from what I'm saying right now, said he misspoke about it. So we'll say that her status is still free agent. She's still free to do what she wants to do. She's not part of WWE yet. Um, her getting there would not be a shock to me, though. Very talented young lady. Very good. Matter of fact, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if, 
if AEW goes, but I, but they're so bloated in their roster right now. She probably doesn't need to go there. She needs to just kind of keep keep on moving along and and take the path that she could take. So I so much like Booker T, I'm going to retract that. See Booker T, you can mess me up. You got me saying stuff that isn't true. She's not not signed anything just yet. So with that note, we will wish her the best. Join me next time for episode 25 of WoW's unaired season. And let's see if they do anything with this uh, Psycho Sister crazy people feud. And whether the Beast will do something else. You know what? Maybe she gets signed to WoW. Who knows? And that's another thing. I may have to sit down and talk about if I were running WoW for this season with, you know, with the changes that they have because they got a new logo they signed some new people including killer kate and danny b uh who's going to be coming in who's going to be going out i'm interested to see that but i also want to know if i was running that place what changes would i make and what is the absolute biggest match that you could sign for wow to actually draw some viewership or pay-per-view buys if they ever went back to pay-per-view which i doubt they ever did Huh. Interesting thought. And if that, you know, send me your thoughts. You might have some uh, some good ideas down there. I might see it in the comments. Be sure to visit the WPN, uh, our website, WPNWrestling.com. I know a lot of people kind of filter through our Facebook page. Also, you can just look that up. Women's Pro Wrestling Network. This was before I decided to get everything kind of condensed down into the same name. But Women's Pro Wrestling Network, you can find us there. Uh, and of course, on the website, it will have links to all points of social media, Instagram, Facebook. It will have the podcast that you're listening to right now. Uh, and it's also got a 24 hour a day, seven day a week video stream of all the matches that I've shot over the years. Got some commercial spots in there, but that's what keeps it free, folks. So give me a break. <laughs> it's just just uh you know you could just look at it for a little bit and and i've said on a number of occasions i've been working on a, a roku channel uh that you can look at this stuff on a big screen as well still working on that you know you, you gotta bear with me because i'm a one-man crew here which is why i say all of the support that has come in either just through sharing or commenting or dropping you know whatever into the donation box quote unquote uh, all of that helps. It helps a great deal. And I will finish it off on that. So, folks, thanks again for listening. And this is Mr. Green saying that you are listening to Mr. Green saying so long. And we will see you on the next go round. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.